Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome, friends. We have a strong discussion lined up today with Brian Rose, Senior Lead Navigator with Oxano, former campus pastor at the Met in Houston, and he uh, has a master's degree in Christian education from Southwestern Seminary. Brian, thanks for being on with us, buddy. Man, I'm excited to be here, Scott. Thanks for having me on, and I, I love what you guys are doing over here in Georgia. Absolutely. Now, uh, give us just a brief version of this, of your family, because you've got some really cool dynamics happening in your family, and just a little bit about what you're yeah. doing with Oxano. Yeah, that's great. Um, I live right outside Nashville now in the, in the Nashville area, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Probably familiar to most most Georgians there, uh, and uh, I've been married for 26 years. We have two children: a junior in high school and a sixth grade son. Our daughter is the junior in high school, and we adopted both of our kids. So, really cool story of how God put our family together uh, through the years. Uh, I have an undergraduate degree in architecture from Mississippi State, so I grew up in North Alabama, mm. but Auburn was the only school that offered architecture in the state, so I left. And went to Mississippi State uh, and thought I was going to be an architect. Um, we ended up through uh, some circumstances of my wife being on church staff. We ended up in Fort Myers, Florida, where God really cemented a call to ministry. And I did one semester of the New Orleans Extension in Miami and thought, you know what? We need to be on campus. So we moved out to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and served on church staff out there. Just kind of immediately went on a Friday uh, architecture to Monday youth pastor. You can imagine that went well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, served on staff there in the Dallas area during seminary, was actually in Northeast Georgia uh, for a season after that uh, up in the Athens area. So love Georgia, especially that part of the world up there. Not a dogs fan, uh, but, you know, still still love that area and uh, appreciate the program and everything there. And then moved to Houston, as you mentioned, I was on staff there, started multi-site. So what's fun is, you know, it was kind of a church replant there in Georgia, um, church of 3,000 plus in Houston, helping them uh, design and execute really a multi-site strategy. And, and I like to say that I've done everything uh, in, in ministry staff-wise, but put my head on the pillow as a senior pastor. And about, about I've been a part of Oxano really from the beginning, uh, but uh, eight years ago, uh, stepped on to in a full-time role there serving churches through our, our calling there. And Oxano, if you don't know, is a um, is a church really uh, strategic planning, visionary planning. We walk alongside church leaders. Really, we help growth-minded senior pastors 
well, achieve collaborative progress through organizational design. So we really want to make sure we help churches be the best version of themselves they can be. Uh, and so we do that by creating, you know, breakthrough clarity with the team and uh, really articulating, hey, this is what we're here to do in this time and this place. So uh, again, that's a, just a quick thumbnail sketch of my bio, but I'm, I'm happy to be on here and serve you guys uh, this morning. Love, again, what you guys are doing in Georgia and Really appreciate, Scott, your leadership in the disciple-making um, world there. Yeah, it's really good, Brian. And I, I'm a fan of Oxano. I've got several of my buddies that have been through that process. And the laser target focus that that you guys have helped churches do, and that's just, that's our language. We talk it all yeah. the time, and we're grateful for that. Now, for those of you engaging, thank you for jumping in and uh, listening or viewing, depending on what platform you're coming in with us. Let me just remind you that Georgia Baptist Discipleship is a product of the cooperative program dollars that you give. So thank you for giving to CP. And we want to give a stack of resources away. So if you will, leave a comment and you'll be entered into a drawing at the end of the broadcast. So Brian, let's jump in here. First question I've got for you, because you are traveling across the country, hundreds and sure. hundreds of leaders and churches that you're engaging with, talking with, so my, here's my thought. Churches surveyed a pretty good bit during COVID, just trying to figure yeah. out because everybody was in that oh crud mode. You know, what do we do? What yeah. do we do? Yeah. Surveying, they're asking, why should churches survey again now that things are beginning to open back up? Well, I think, I think Scott, that, um, you know, you're right. They surveyed a lot because we didn't know what was going on and we just didn't even know where people are. I'm not sure that that's changed, even though the sentiment and mood of, of leadership generally is up some. We're not in that, oh my gosh, what's happening next mode. We're kind of in that, oh, things are getting better mode. And listen, that's always our temptation, right? Our temptation is to just assume that, that the best is yet to come, which it is, you know, we, we know the end of the story but that we don't need to make any tweaks in the day-to-day. -day. And so I think it's important for us to constantly not over-survey. I'm not talking about giving the CVS receipt that's like four out, you know, four feet long uh, kind of thing. But I do think that when you read Ephesians 4 and we see our calling as you know, leaders in the church through the different lenses that the Apostle Paul outlines there, you know, to, to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, it's hard to equip people if you don't know who they are and where they are. It's hard to equip people if you don't understand, you know, what's what's going on in their lives, what they feel about things. And so what I think happens is we create unintentionally as leaders some gaps. We create gaps because we tend to, when things are going good, rely on anecdotes, those favorite stories we have, those people we're really connected to, or assumptions because we see something, so we think it's going to be a certain way. And so right now, I think it's even more important to find out how our people are doing first and foremost. Are they really doing better? Um, secondly, you know, what anticipation do they have looking forward? <clears throat> you know, we, we've seen, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I was just on a call this morning uh, with a pastor in Easley, South Carolina. I've been on calls all week with leaders. Easter seems to have been phenomenal. Right. I mean, people saying, hey, listen, it's almost 2019 levels, if not more. But yet we had extra services, extra venues and some other things going on. So there's a little bit of a scramble happening now um, in the midst of all that positivity. What can we expect? And so there's 
there's a few gaps I think that are opening up now, you know, buy-in is, is there really the same level of buy-in as there were, you know, pre-pandemic? Um, are there some understanding gaps? Like, do we know what's really important right now? Because to think that the world hasn't changed over the last 12 to 14 months would be naive. True. Um, you know, they, they, the definition of insanity is doing what we've always done and expecting different results. Right. And so, you know, there, there could be this thing. Well, we, if we make the assumption that, man, let's just get everybody vaccinated and it's going to be like it was, that could be a mistake. I mean, you know, options for staying home and worshiping now, um, you know, that's, that's kind of been normalized, um, you know, different, different, you know, uh, modes of life. I mean, you know, just the political unrest, the social unrest, there's a lot that's taken place even beside the pandemic. So I think understanding some of those things, what are we prioritizing as leader? What are the people seeing as challenges? I think there's a gap there uh, in that. Um, there may even be some spiritual hurdles and hangups happening over the last 12 months. I mean, people really had a gut check of their faith and, mm. and we've seen leadership uh, changes in the national landscape of church leadership over the last 12 months. So I think there's just a lot going on now and it's important to understand where our people are. Um, that was a short answer. I can give you a long yeah. answer if you want. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's good. And and so our team has a saying, you got to inspect what you expect. Yeah. I believe those top priorities for any ministry, I think they really should be regularly assessed. Are we tracking with this? Are we accomplishing our goals? Are we hitting some marks? Now, let me double click on a, on a thought here that, that kind of what you alluded to just now. So are you seeing a difference between churches who regularly assess health and those who don't? And if so, how often do you recommend a, a leader assess yeah. the health of their church? Uh, you know, in a, in a pre-pandemic kind of normal church life phase, you know, we would say a major congregational survey every two to three years, you know, just because in this, and this is, we're talking disciple making now, Scott, how do we know our disciple making is effective? Right. If we're not if we're not actively measuring, you know, how people and, and listen to say we're measuring someone's spiritual growth, I know is a challenge. I know that like, how do I you know, how do I inspect the fruit, you know, so to speak. Um, but we can we can set up systems. That's what we do with Oxano. We help people. We help church leaders set up a language where people can self-assess. Right. Where it's a common language everyone in the church shares of, hey, this is what a disciple does. My home church here in Murfreesboro, we talk about small group in terms of who are my refrigerator friends, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, we, you know, do you have people in your life that have refrigerator rights? They can just come open your fridge and get something out. They don't have to ask permission. Like if not, you may not be in biblical community. Last night, my wife and I, we have a college small group. So we had, you know, eight college kids over and one of our, one of our college students says, hey, can I, can I uh, use the ketchup? Is there some ketchup I can use? Cause we feed them every week. We realize that's the best way to keep attendance numbers up with college kids. <laughs> She's like, can I use some ketchup? And in the midst of a national ketchup shortage, I was like very generous and said, sure. But I had to remind her, I'm like, look, our, you can get into our refrigerator. If you need something, open up the refrigerator. This is the level we're playing at now. Yeah. And you can just see on her face like this. Oh, like I, there's someone else uh, besides my family. I can do that. And so if you create language like that, then you can start asking questions on a regular basis to assess, hey, how are we doing? How many of our people are in these type of relationships? You measure generosity, you can measure personal spiritual growth, but it starts with having the common language. So pre-pandemic, we'd say every few years, 
We need to just make sure our processes and systems are producing what we hope they are. In the pandemic now, I think we have to keep a little bit closer tabs. Now, listen, you can't do a 40-question survey congregation-wide every few months, but I do think it's, it's helpful to just say, hey, as the shepherd or under-shepherd here of this, of this flock, I need a shepherd isn't any good if they don't know how the flock's doing, if they don't know the health of flock, if they don't regularly inspect. And so in a world where we can't get to everybody's door or sit in everybody's living room like we used to, um, it's helpful to just give a quick pulse. We call a pulse survey. Hey, how you doing? What are you struggling with right now? What's most helpful to your spiritual growth right now? Just three or four questions that you can ask on a regular basis. And I'd say at a minimum, Every six months or so, just as if there is a speed of change right now with things, um, maybe we'll get to the place in a year or two where we can kind of get back into that groove. But, you know, if it's not if it's not COVID, it's something else, you know, and so I think it's helpful for the shepherd to know where the flock are. It's really good. Now, listen, if you're watching or viewing, uh, listening to this broadcast and you have created one of those surveys. Yeah. We'd love for you to drop that in the chats right now so others can see how you've surveyed, what your top two or three questions you've been asking, because Brian, what you're saying, I think is huge. And by the way, I'm writing down refrigerator friends and I am going to use that. I'll give you credit, but man, that's good. I love that. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. You don't have to give us credit for that. Uh, we've used that. A number of different churches have taken a form of that. Uh, I love to ask, do you know where the trash can is? How many people do you know in your life that you know where the trash can in their kitchen is? Like if you have never thrown something away in somebody else's kitchen, you're not in biblical community, right? It's just not happening in that way. So I you're love just that. just not as close as you think you are. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, and, here, and here's a thought too, Brian, because there, we've got some leaders right now that are yeah. going to be listening and watching and they're not assessing. They haven't done a survey and, I'm, and they're probably sitting there thinking, man, I'm just not sure. You know, things yeah. are pretty good in my church. So here's my thought. If you know the foundation of your house is cracked and then gradually falling off, what do you do? You you fix it. If the yeah. relationship with your spouse is growing emotionally cold, do you do you sit there and say, you know, we can we can we can just kind of roll with where it is, or or do you do something about it? And I just I just maybe take 20 seconds, 30 seconds here, just speak to that pastor that, that might be listening and saying, you know, yeah. I'm just not sure because where we are, things are pretty good. You know, the money stayed reasonably healthy during this, the numbers are, you know, decent during this time. What would you say to that pastor who really doesn't see the need for survey for assessment? Yeah, I would, I would first very lovingly uh, remind that leader that, things don't tend to drift towards better. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, we know that biblically, right? We see how things are going to be in the end days. And I don't know whether the end days are, are soon. I like to keep that posture that our, our, our forefathers in the faith, you know, kept that it could be any moment. So we need to act as if, um, but things don't tend to drift towards the better, right? Mission tends to, to drift away from that. Families are becoming more and more busy outside the church. And here's the reality. <clears throat> As things open up, everyone in your community who has been missing people and relies on uh, restaurants to feed people, clubs, organizations for dues, and I mean, events, uh, theater, arts communities is able, that's anxious to pack people back in so they can get the ticket sales. Everybody is looking for time and money right now from your people. 
And listen, your people are going to be tempted to, in a very philanthropic way, support that. And, and I don't have anything against that. I do think, though, that a church can't be passive now because what's going to happen is, is that we're going to see that that just like your relationship doesn't drift to getting stronger, you everything has to work there. Um, you're going to have to work to really re-engage and provide meaningful activity. And that's why I think a survey is important. Um, meaningful activity looks different around a church conference room table than it does maybe around a, a family's dinner table when it comes to church. Like, what, are, they, are they feeling the meaning? Are we providing value and meaning? Because listen, if we're not then they're going to get more meaning from the ball field because little Johnny is going to be a professional ball player, or they're going to get a, a scholarship one day, something like that. So, so listen, here's the temptation, Scott. I, and listen, I do this all the time. The temptation is to just kind of um, not act to like, you know, something needs to be fixed, like the foundation thing. Like right now it's been raining all morning here in Tennessee. And I know if I open up my crawl space, there's probably going to be water under there. I've been putting off calling those people that are going to come out and fix that because I just don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with the hassle. Here's the problem. At some point that's going to turn into a bigger problem. And yeah. so, you know, I've, I, I've got to do something about it sooner rather than later. And I think that applies to all of us in leadership. If we sense there's some kind of um, drift or, or weakness or crack or something happening there, the, the better we can step in and, and, you know, we have plenty of Proverbs that talk about, you know, wisdom and wise counsel, some of those things. And that's that's the joy of what I get to do at Oxana. I get to walk alongside church leaders in a very loving way, help them see those things and maybe even say the things they knew already, but just use different words from a strategic outsider perspective and just and, and, and walk with them through it. It's always better if you know someone's there with you, right? Yep. So good. And listen, we've, we've got an actually a tool here in, in our um, Georgia Baptist Convention uh, that's called the Church Assessment Tool. So yeah. if you guys uh, want to engage in that, just to, just to help you know what we would say are the, uh, the areas of top growth that, uh, for future growth in your church, if you want to take that assessment, just go to gabaptist.org, and then you'll see a, a square that says Church Assessment Tool. You can click on that, take it. I mean, it's less than five minutes. It's not uh, super thorough that can help you there. And, and Brian, you've got some things, some tools there with Oxano yeah. as well, right? Yeah, we do. Um, you know, one of the, one of the big ones right now is the church next survey. And that's just one that we're, we're kind of releasing out there. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a lower cost. It's, it's less than $200, but $1 less than $200, right? It's $199. So it feels <laughs> good to say less than $200, but really what it does is it's, it's, it's a 12 question survey. Again, one of those pulse surveys for your congregation. The advantage here, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm an advocate. If you can use SurveyMonkey and survey your congregation with that, go for it. If you if you don't need to, to, to spend money, if you've got time to put together the questions and responses, if you've got time to do the analysis, if you've got time to you know do those things, that's great. Uh, save a couple hundred bucks. If you don't have time for that, we've put together the tool, the Church Next Survey tool for you. What we'll also do is we'll also benchmark against other churches uh, nationally, and regionally, some of those things where you can see not not to kind of how we measure up, but just are you know it's always helpful to know we're not the only ones struggling with this. Or oh man, there's there is hope. There's some encouragement when we look at a broader picture of that. One of the other things I love, Scott, is the way you guys have set up your leadership across the state, especially within the disciple making. Like you have leaders 
in position in those regions of the state to walk alongside these pastors. And so whether they use the, the in-house uh, survey tool with, with you guys, the assessment tool, whether they use our kind of national tool, or even just kind of set something up on their own, I love that that you guys are a resource to those pastors. No pastor in the state of Georgia should feel alone right now yes. um, because of the way you guys are in your leadership through that. So, you know, whether whether or not they they choose to reach out for help, that's the that's the other question, right? Great word, great word. Now, listen, we just so we're just giving you two, um, at least two options there, and we'll put yeah. links to both of those in the chats for you to consider. Now, let me jump to a second. Uh, question. Actually, I think I've already asked you three, but they were follow-ups that you and I, some of them we didn't really plan on. I just love the engagement um, yeah. of what you're talking about. So if it's true that churches need to assess regularly, okay, and I think we both would agree with that. What are some top areas that leaders need to be considering and areas that maybe leaders are missing information right now? Yeah. And so I'll come back to that one that I think is the most critical, Scott, I think we make assumptions that people are growing just because they're attending something mm. and, you know, attendance does not equal maturity. Yeah. Um, we see over and over again in God's word, like the people who attended uh, synagogue the most, the people who were, you know, most maybe in those things were not necessarily the most spiritually mature um, because, you know, listen, they missed some of that relational piece. And so I think, you know, understanding our disciple making outcomes, what are, what does a disciple look like in our context? Like, I, that's a very passionate for me, like under each church should have that, this palette of language of what a disciple looks like in our context. And again, I'm a little biased because that's what I do for a living. I help churches define that. But one of those, one of those pieces of that is saying, Hey, listen, if we're not regularly saying, you know, hey, these are the five to seven most important qualities of, of maturity. And we're not kind of monitoring that, you know, that's important because listen, you can, you can fill a, you can fill a, a, a congregation, a, you know, a, a worship center and not see people filled with the spirit of, right. of the Lord. You can make budget and not make disciples. And I think that's, I think that's one of those things. We look at those numbers, numbers have been strong over the last year. Most of the churches we interact with reported you know, strong giving, you know, even attendance, however you want to figure that, you know, if we want to pretend like that, you know, 22nd view online was counts as somebody going to church that Sunday, let, that's great. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, whatever, whatever it takes. The reality though is, is that, is it, you know, that's not necessarily indicative of disciples made. And so that to me is the strongest passion is saying, Hey, listen, and then coming back around and saying, Hey, are we providing meaning? What part of what we're doing is, is influencing your spiritual growth the most? Uh, what part is is not? How do you see yourself involved? Are your kids uh, going to get plugged back in? Um, some other questions we like to ask: um, What's your plan for worship attendance? Um, what what's gonna what's gonna most influence your return to in person ministry on a regular basis? Um, you know, if there's something we can do in our community, what you know what is that? And really, kind of reminding people that we have a calling here that's not just to to gather. Uh, every week, which we've missed over the last year, but our calling is to to be scattered after we gather gather to have impact uh, in our community and on people's lives. And so, I think those things are, are the probably the most critical things to measure. First, our disciple making is it working? Second, are we providing value? Is what we're doing here impacting people? And third, are we reminding people that the mission of the church exists outside the church walls? It is the great commission which begins with go. Right. And so uh, that's, that's, how I would say the top three. That's good. 
That's good. And, and, and Brian, here's the deal, man. If, if Georgia Baptist convention fails, if Christians fail, if Oxano fails at anything, it cannot be at the greatest mission that the Lord gave us to make disciples of Jesus. It just can't. And that's why this discussion of what we are talking about is so important. So let me, let me land the plane for us here because Oxano exists to help churches move towards health, just like our, our convention does as well. Yeah. So what does Oxano bring to the table that leaders can't get by doing it themselves? For example, why should somebody pay you guys? And the reality is you guys are, are trying to help churches, but yeah. this is also how you make your living. So there's a charge yeah. for this. Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, <clears throat> I, think it's, I think it is a matter of what I said earlier and just in time. Um, the, the books that are out there uh, that we use that are core tools from our founder, uh, Will Mancini, you know, Church Unique, God Dreams, it, it's all there. I mean, listen, for the price of a book, you can get some of the best uh, content. The reality is, though, is that it's always a factor of time. Uh, most pastors I know, even executive pastors in the kind of just don't have the time uh, to prepare to get already there to facilitate. I mean, there's a little bit of built-in accountability. Uh, also, you know, it, you, you really, um, when you make an investment into something, you tend to treat it a little differently. That's true. And so, you know, when, when you, if you've ever bought a, we've never bought a brand new car, but those new to me cars, like, you know, there's something about like that first one I bought, I took care of it better than the one my parents gave me. Yeah. Right. And so I think there is something in our psyche uh, toward, hey, when we make an investment of time, make an investment of resources, um, you know, we tend to do, and so that's really <clears throat> when people ask me why, you know, why do you guys charge consulting retainers some of those things? I was like, because without that, you know, and listen, we all love free stuff, but if something is easily easily gotten, it's easily lost. Mm -hmm. And so, man, when we put an investment of time, we put an investment of resources. That we've also been doing this for almost two decades now. So we've been we've been at this for 17, 18 years now. And the ability to, to, to bring um, experience from other places, to be able to, to kind of navigate through challenges, many pastors need that person to serve as a strategic outsider. I love it when a pastor can just sit back and watch uh, that I like, you know, I think about Jeff up at, uh, up at Christ Place, right? You know, when he can sit back in his in his meeting and watch his staff, watch his leadership interact and not have to be the one that's always up front, prepared, talking, but can kind of, you know, lead from that, that role there. Uh, it's always advantageous to not be the, the leader in the room at some point with your team. So you can see your team uh, from a different perspective. So I think that's it. I mean, I think the reality of it is, is, you know, we try to do things for churches at all scales and sizes. We try to provide, we've done cohorts, uh, for churches, you know, 200 or less that were just kind of virtual and online and providing some resources there. Not every church can, can invest in bringing me out once a month for nine months, 10 months. We also do trainings. Like we're also, you know, working with the Georgia Baptist to do some training to, to bring the tools so that you guys can be on the front lines with the same tools we have and serve churches that again, you know, we're, our passion is for the kingdom. Uh, we know we're not going to be able to, to reach every church, but Listen, we believe that that every church needs clarity. 
every church needs to understand what the great commission looks like in their place. Because as you said earlier, if we fail in the great commission, what else are we here to do? Like what else did Jesus call the local church to do? If not the great commission, we're spending way too much time on, on arguing some things that Jesus would be like, why are you guys talking about that? Yes. And, And so, you know, like, Hey, listen, Peter would be like, Hey, remember when I said, you know, you know, it would be like, Hey, listen, what is it that, you know, why are we not more effective in the community? Where have we surrendered? You know, why are our families not the, the outpost of disciple making, you know, across, across our communities and across our state? I mean, those are the things that, that keep me up at night and keep me motivated. And uh, we just love, love getting to do that. I don't know if, if you yeah. felt, felt the passion there, Scott, sorry. I know I'm, I'm answering all your questions very long. <laughs> no, it's good. And I love what Todd Bolsinger wrote in Canoe in the Mountains. He said, yeah. there's no greater responsibility or gift a leader can give than the, to have the clearest, most defined mission possible. And, and that's what we're trying to do yeah. through Georgia Baptist discipleship. Yeah. But it's, it's also what Oxano does. And, mm-hmm. and Brian, we consider you guys an ally to help yeah. us accomplish the goal that God's given us as a convention, which is heavy yeah. to, to create disciple-making churches that create disciple-making churches and disciple-makers. So uh, thank you for what you're doing. And uh, Brian, any final thoughts, rebuttals, or moments of deep consternation that you would mention? Wow, when you give me the opportunity for all that, just just to this conversation or rebuttals, <laughs> deep consternation in general? Because I have a couple things. No, 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 listen. <laughs> I, I, I love getting to talk leadership, especially disciple-making leadership with passionate leaders like yourself, Scott, that I know leads a team uh, across the state. We we treasure uh, the work. I've gotten to work with Mississippi, uh, Kentucky, North Carolina, Georgia. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a Southern boy, so across the South, getting to work with uh, state convention leadership and really equip um, at, a, at a level to reach churches that um, I just, I just, it's, it's a joy and I'm thankful to get to do it every day. And I appreciate you inviting me on to this morning. You bet. It's my heart as well, Brian. Thank you for what you do. And um, our, as a senior lead navigator for Oxana, we appreciate you jumping on with us, Brian Rose. Love and, it. Uh, let me also send a thank you to Mike Tiny Taylor, our producer this morning. Mike, thank you for always making yourself available here and there to get these things produced. And let me just say a thank you to those of you that are listening or engaging through the broadcast. And if this has been helpful, please share this link to our Georgia Baptist Discipleship group and to help us maximize our ability to make world-impacting disciple-makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five, discipleshipshifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. 
For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world-impacting disciple-makers.